It's your boy Mo back with another episode of Up in Flames. Today I got a special guest, part newly addition to Off the Ball Network, Chris Bolton. Chris, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Appreciate you having me, Mo. Yeah, most definitely, man. So you know, I'm gonna give you the floor. I use I always give my guests the floor to kind of tell us about okay. themselves and let us get to know you before we get into what we really want to get into today. So, Chris, the floor is yours. Uh, shoot, sounds good, man. Uh, that Chris Bolton. Live in Columbus, Mississippi, work as a sports reporter for a local news station here. So cover high school, football, basketball, all the sports, really. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If, it's a, if it's a sport, we got you. But then I get to cover uh, SEC schools like Mississippi State, Ole Miss. So, you know, I'm, I'm around sports all the time. That's my job. So uh, that's what I'm doing out here. Then also, you know, when I'm not doing that, do the podcast thing, just talking to NBA. NBA draft, just basketball. That's my favorite sport. I grew up yeah. a basketball player in high school. So that's what I do, man. Basketball, and if I ain't playing basketball, I'm probably playing 2K. So you want to get an <laughs> L? I'm, I'm, I got the PS5 coming. You know what I'm saying? It's in the mail right now. FedEx should have it here in a couple of days. So if y'all want to get an L in 2K, holla. Hey, so y'all heard it here. So when I get my PS5 and he get his and I beat him, it's going to be no excuses. <laughs> uh, and I just want to make that known, but... Yeah, man, that's dope, like, you know, to actually be able to cover sports and, you know, cover some of the colleges because, you know, I know uh, I know it's probably huge right now covering Ole Miss and Mississippi State for, like, football. Yeah. You know, I know college football. Especially, yeah, man, because, you know, they, they had the new coaches come through. Yeah. So, you know, you got Lane Kiffin, the Ole Miss now, and then Mike Leach has stayed. So, yeah, it's definitely a big deal. Yeah, so I'm sure the atmosphere is crazy. And, you know, being a sports reporter, that's crazy. It's like. I played ball in high school, played a little bit of college, but I wanted to be a sports reporter, you know what I'm saying? Like, And that's something I'm, I'm going back to school for and things like that. So, you know, it's almost like, man, I'm talking to a guy kind of living my dream, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> Yeah, man, shoot. You, it's on, you're going to be on your way, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you're doing your thing with the podcast, so you're on the track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you know, definitely nice to, for everybody to kind of get to know who you are and who I'm talking to, but... Now, the the big ticket item for this week is really the NBA draft. Uh, As everybody knows, the NBA draft is Wednesday. Yes. So, you know, this is a moment everybody's been waiting for because typically we'd be, you know, in in the beginning stages of the NBA season right now. So. Right, right. It's long overdue. Yeah. So, (laughs) so let me get the first thing I want to know, like your opinion on the draft is, you know, basically the pandemic, COVID. How has it affected some mm-hmm. of these prospects as far as we haven't seen these guys play in months and we see like virtual Correct. workouts individually, but how do you think this pandemic and not seeing these guys play some of them since February, March and most others? Yeah, we haven't seen in months. So how is this affecting their draft stock good or bad? I think it's helped several guys because um, you have people like Tyrell Terry, the guard from Stanford, a lot of if the draft would have already happened, I feel like he might have either chose to come back to school or even been like just a, a super late pick because a, a big concern for him is his size. Right. It was like, you know, 170. 
170 pounds, 6'2", 6'3", guard. Now he's grown an inch. They say he's put on 15 to 20 pounds of muscle. So that's, you know, what the main concerns was the size. Now that's being taken care of and stuff. So watch out for him to be uh, to be drafted even higher, maybe like a mid-first-round pick. Could even sneak into the lottery. So guys like that who've had concerns about their weight uh, and stuff like that, they've had time to, to handle those concerns and put on some pounds, put on some muscles, and let NBA teams know, hey, I'm, I'm good to go. Right. So if you got any questions, you can draft me. Right, yeah, so – that's been kind of my biggest thing about going into the NBA draft. And, like, I've been linking with a lot of guys who, like, a lot of you guys who actually really follow the draft and have been following it, did a lot of homework. It's, like, kind of talking to y'all is kind of what's gotten me recently, even, like, remotely into the NBA draft. I haven't even, I wasn't even into college basketball this past year like I normally am. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to actually get in the draft and really take a deep dive look into some of these guys is kind of, you know, it's actually kind of cool looking at, you know, with doing the podcast and kind of wanting to really know what I'm talking about. It's kind of cool taking a different look than just watching these guys for entertainment. You're kind of doing your homework, studying the game, what they could do better, their strengths, weaknesses. Right. So, you know, it is taking a different look into individuals and it's making me even just watch sports with a different eye. But with, even though the pandemic, so I'm a big believer that some of these guys' stock would rise or fall, but I'm more of a big believer there would be a lot rise mm-hmm. in stock if we were able to see the NC, the March Madness tournament, you know, the NCAA tournament, yeah. do you, you know, do you agree with like the, along the lines of if there was an NCAA tournament, some of these guys would have picked their stock up a little bit or even a lot you would have had, you know, a guy like Tyrell Terry, like you think that would, you would have had a few more yeah. guys. I can definitely see that, you know, it's, that's been the, the trap or shortcomings for a lot of teams in the past. When it comes to the draft, you see a guy have a, a big time tournament run, Next thing you know, he's worked his way into being a, a high draft pick, and he doesn't pan out. So, you know, it definitely could have worked to some guys' advantage and got their stocks even higher. But um, I wouldn't necessarily put too much into the NCAA tournament if I was somebody working with the NBA team. Right. It just seems like they do, though, because you ultimately, like, you see a guy, and that's when all eyes are on college basketball is come them conference tournaments exactly. and the NCAA tournament. So, you know, the scouts and stuff, obviously, they watch these guys all day long throughout the year. Mm-hmm. But this is where all eyes are on, you know. Um, I'm about to say, like, you have NBA GMs. They're they busy running the NBA franchise. Right. But then they have a couple weeks to see the March Madness. And it's like, okay, oh, this guy stands out. So it's, it's some guys who never really watched, follow the whole college season like a scout does. But they finally had the opportunity to sit down. Like, let me watch the, the Sweet 16, see what's going on. And they become enamored with the guy. Right, and that and and that's why I say like I do think there were there would be a few more guys. I don't know who necessarily would have benefited from it. I don't necessarily have names because we didn't get to see how the tournament played out, who was gonna match up against who. But I do think that um there would have been a factor in I have a guy for you. Who? Maybe Tyrese Maxey from Kentucky. Ah, he struggled that... some during the season and you know, Kentucky they always find a way to have a nice run in the tournament. If he leads them to the final four he might be a guaranteed lottery pick right now, but nobody knows where he's going to be drafted. He could be in the lottery. It could be late first round. So. Yeah, that, that is a solid one. And, and who I was looking forward to going into the tournament, I was looking forward to really watching Obi Toppin and Dayton. Like, I really thought Dayton mm-hmm. might have made something shake in the tournament and be a Final Four team. So that's who I was looking. That's who I was really looking forward to. I mean, there's a lot of players, a lot of teams. 
But I was looking forward to seeing Obi Toppin and Dayton and seeing if this guy could really, you know, Dayton, the Flyers, they really fly under the radar and they actually a pretty good college oh, team. Balling, man. But Obi Toppin yeah. was the head honcho of that. So I wanted to see if he was going to take them to the Final Four. A lot of teams, they were one of the best teams in the country last year. So I know that was something he Definitely. said. That was something he said was like, man, you know, the fact that we had to end our season this way and we couldn't go and play for a national championship. Like, you know, how often is Dayton going to really have an opportunity to play for a national championship, but even have national championship aspirations in that year. So that was a guy I was no, looking forward point. to. So with speaking of Obi Toppin, where do you have him on like your big board? Not necessarily where you think he'll go, but you know, where do you have him on your big board? How much do you value him a lot? I like Obi. I have him number 10 on my big board. So I'm not as high as some people are. I've seen some people have him two, five. I have him 10. I mean, he has a skill set that's ready to come in and produce right now in the NBA. Right. You know what I'm saying? His, his athleticism when it comes to the pick and roll, rolling to the rim, he'll body you real quick, fast break. He'll do a windmill on the break. You know yeah. what I'm saying? His athleticism speaks for itself. And then he has a three-shot point. So he can space the floor, do those kind of things. But the main concern for me is his defense. Mm-hmm. And, you know what I'm saying? If he... He step out in that NBA court and he gets switched on to some guards. It ain't going to be pretty. I'm going to let you know that right now. So he really has to get his defense right. But when it comes to being like a guy who can, he's really, to me, like a prime rookie of the year candidate. Like he's going to put up numbers. He can come yeah. in and get you 15 to 8, 15 to 7. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I think he's going to be nice on the offense. He just really needs to go to the right system to minimize his deficiencies on defense. Yeah. So I could definitely see that, and I think he will adapt fairly easily, you know. Um, and, you know, it's all about fit. I think that's the difference between a lot of these guys in this draft and what we're used to seeing in prior drafts is we're used to seeing a couple mm-hmm. of bona fide stars coming into the draft. Like, you know, the year you had Lonzo Ball and all them, like those were that was a star-studded draft with De'Aaron Fox and Donovan Mitchell and all those boys, Jason Tatum and everybody. So I feel like we don't mm-hmm. have that kind of draft. But these are like, I think this draft is getting looked at a little like, oh, there's not, there's nobody really worth getting, <laughs> but it's all about fit for these guys. You have some really talented it's players. True. They just need the right fit. And usually you don't start talking about fit for draft prospects until outside the lottery, where now you're looking at some of these lottery mm-hmm. players and like, if they go to the right system, this team in the lottery fits this guy. If he goes there, this will be where he's most successful. So do you like? Do you agree with that? It's not a star-studded draft, but it's all about fit with majority of these guys. It's funny you say that, man, because the last couple of weeks I've been going back, listening, trying to find old podcasts, read old articles on older drafts, like the 2009 draft, 2010, 2011. And I was listening to the BS report, you know, Bill Simmons thing. And back in 09, him and Chad Ford, they were like, "This is a bad draft." Mm-hmm. And we got Steph Curry and James Harden out of that draft, two MVPs. Uh, 2011 draft was looked at as a bad draft. You get Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, Kimball Walker. I mean, the list goes on. That draft has several guys. So I'm starting to think, you know, this draft, a lot of people have been talking about, you know, this draft is not all that. You know, the next one, right? Cade Cunningham's going to be the one. But I think this one can have some really good guys. I mean, I, I'm re- I really think there's going to be maybe like three stars that come out of this draft. You don't just know who it is. But there are some guys who will pop out of this draft that'll be stars. They just got to go to the right team, like you're saying. The the fit is very big in this draft. 
Right. And so that's that's the biggest thing is like we look for these star studded guys like and for hope for, you know, a guy to turn our whole season around, you know, bad team last year. You're looking for that one rookie to come in and, you know, change the whole outlook on the franchise. But I don't think you're going to find that in this draft. But I think five, six, mm-hmm. seven years from now, we're going to look back the same way. 09, 2011. I think we're going to look back and be like, OK, you know, we didn't see Kawhi Leonard being a bona fide superstar like. We didn't see him being a top exactly. five player in the league. We didn't see Kyrie being one of the best players. Like, we've seen his his shiftiness, but at the same time, you didn't get to see him too much at Duke. And so he was more, exactly his potentials could take him here, but we don't know. You know, and Steph Curry, we thought he was too small. His game wasn't going to fit in the NBA. Stayed hurt. He couldn't get his ankles right early on in his career. Yeah. Finally got his ankles together, and, we, and it was a wrap. And that was like, that was the whole thing with that class, so... I do think like it'll be the same way. And like you said, it's tough. You don't want to go out on the limb and really pick the guy who's going to be the Steph Curry of this draft or the Kawhi Leonard of this draft. But I do think you have a few. And like, I'm big on, you know, we brought him up earlier. I'm big on Maxi. I really like his game. Like there's some things he could work on. Obviously there's things LeBron could work on being, you know, one of the greatest basketball players we've ever seen play. So, you know, he definitely, he got some things to work on, but I just like his game and I like the circle he's surrounded with, with being signed with clutch sports. Like I understand your agency doesn't fully, but LeBron and, 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 you know, that agency, they're going to take care of their guys. So I do like him being signed with clutch sports. I think that's a big deal, which means he's probably going to be in the offseason working out with LeBron and AD and, and Draymond Green and they all those put guys. Him in the best position to succeed. You know what I'm saying? Give him that that guidance, that mentoring that he needs to, to be able to do his thing. Right. And so that's what, like, that's a big reason why I'm big on him is, like, the circle he surrounded himself with. He surrounded himself with a circle of guys who are they're really going to make sure he reaches his max potential and not just basketball, but all aspects of life. But when we talk about strictly basketball, they're going to lead him in the right direction. You know, LeBron works out. He'd be with the clutch sport guys working out in the offseason season. In years past, not this year because he hasn't had much of an off season. But in years past, we're used to all those guys getting together, having dinner, you know, things like that. It's more like a family. So, you know, for him to be in that family environment, coming in young and having a chance to work hard with some of the greatest players in the game right now, with LeBron, AD, then you got Draymond Green and, and guys of that nature. I think that'll be great for him. And I think five, six years from now, I think we'll turn and look at him and be like, man, he's a, he's a really dominant player right now. That's very well possible, man. You know, we look at how these Kentucky guards, they, they, they haven't been failing us lately. Yeah. So, Hero, Book, Kentucky guards have been putting on. So it wouldn't surprise me if down the line he becomes that. His skill set is pretty nice. It just seems like to me he's like a two guard and a one guard's body. Yeah. So he's it's kind of, of it's going to be a little bit against the odds because he, he has more two guard skills than one. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if he, like we said, the right fit, get to the right team to allow him to be able to be that player it doesn't necessarily affect him on defense and stuff like that. Right. So who is your who is your biggest like who are a couple of your biggest like sleepers? Like guys that obviously aren't talked about in the lottery, aren't even first round picks, projected first round picks, but you think will pan out pretty well in the NBA. You said that aren't first round picks? Yeah, that aren't or? like that aren't considered first round picks. Like who are guys in this draft that are your sleepers that okay. aren't considered first round picks? Let's see. I have, of course, uh, you know, Chris, he's a big fan of this guy as well. But uh, Sam Merrill, 
I haven't seen nobody, you know, have Sam Merrill as a first round pick, but uh, he's one of my top 30 guys. I have him at 25. Uh, his, he's just ready to go out to the NBA court and, and put up points, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Do what he needs to do on the floor, whether it's spot up shooting, whether it's in the pick and roll, uh, whether it's, you know, isolation, step back Jays. You know, Sam Merrill, he's ready to put up points right now for our NBA team. He's an older right. guy. So, which is why you're not going to necessarily hear him talked about in the first round. But whoever picks up Sam Merrill's getting somebody who's ready to step in on a NBA offense and do his thing right now and be a contributor. Okay, yeah, I know. You know, our guy Chris, he loves that guy. Like, you know, that is, I think that's his guy for the draft. Yeah. So, you know, for you to go ahead and say that. So, what do you? Here's a guy I don't hear his name really much at all, and I like him. He's like my sleeper guy to draft, and I think he'll pan out. Maybe even. At best, a point guard for the second unit. You got for me. Cassius Winston. Like, am I over, like, am I, like, real oh, high? Yeah. Like, I'm real high on him, not to go in the first round or anything, but I'm just real high on him. I think he'll be one of the most successful guards or one of the most, like, long-tenure guards in this draft in the league because I think he has a game where he comes with leadership. He comes with a lot of intangibles that you can't coach. Yes. And then on top of that, he, he comes with skills. Right. And he and he has the skill also. Yes, he played at Michigan State for what, three, four years, I think he was there? I think he was there three or four years. Four years. So four years. you're afraid, okay, he's been in college for a long time, but sometimes that becomes an advantage. So I'm high on Cassius Winston. Like I said, I don't know if I have him in my top 30, but he's like my sleeper pick. Like if you were to ask me who's your favorite guy that's not projected to, to – to go high, it'd be Cassius Winston. How do you feel about Cassius Winston? I have him right at 30. I mean, I, you know what I'm saying? I, I like Cash. He's one of the best, the best passers in this draft, especially out of the pick and roll. He will dime you. So and we know the NBA is all about the pick and roll. Right. So he goes to the right team, put him in a situation to be that guard, that backup guard that can lead that second unit. I think he can easily do that. You know, he's, He's ready to play. It's, it's just that simple. He's ready to play. Right. Yeah. That's. I've just. I've been. I've watched a lot of Michigan State. With me being a big Ohio State fan, also, I've watched a lot of Michigan State basketball. And you know, you always watch Michigan State. They play Kentucky. They're always a top team. Tom Izzo do great things. So that's why I've been so high on him. I think I've seen more of him than pretty much any of these draft prospects. Tillman have done. Yeah. Like I just. I, I've seen so much of him. It's. It's. That's I think that's what it is. It's like I've just seen so much of him. I know what he could do. I know what he'll bring to the NBA team. But what I what I do want to bring up, I want to kind of close out a little bit on the draft. But we haven't talked about the stars or the the top picks. So who are like your top five? Mm-hmm. Like I want to get into your top five guys because we've talked about the middle of the draft, late in the draft, and our sleepers. So let's okay. end talking the draft with talking your top five guys. So who are your top five guys? Wow. My top five, it's, it's a different than some people. It's its own, it might shake y'all up a little bit. Of course, number one, I have LaMelo Ball. Mm-hmm. I think if he reaches his ceiling, it could be very something very special. So I have LaMelo one. Number two, I have Devin Vassell from Florida State. Mm-hmm. Oh, number man. three, Anthony Edwards. Number four, Alexei Pokashevsky from Serbia. And number five, Killian Hayes. So that's my top five. Uh, Killian Hayes rounding out. So, yep, it's a little little different, but, you know, that's how I look at the guys in this draft. Okay. And then you said there was one more guy that you, you really wanted to hit on. So who was that? 
as Devin Vassell. I'm a big Devin Vassell guy. I have a number two on my board. Like I said, I've been looking at a lot of old draft stuff, and he just just looking at how the guys who have become stars. He has what you know. He has a high floor and a high ceiling. Mm-hmm. And when I look at Vassell, he's to me the best team defender in this draft. Right. And that tells me he's a basketball player. His instincts are off the charts. He's how he's able to know when to switch on to bigs when it comes to playing defense, um, help side defense, when it comes to jumping passing lanes, how active he is with his hands. Just an all-around great team defender, a very solid on-ball defender. And I look at his offense, his offensive game. He played at Florida State. Florida State's a very equal opportunity team. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah, Coach Hamilton, his system, they swing the ball a lot. You know, they had 10 guys who were right there at that 10 points per game mark. Trent Forrest had like nine points. Uh, Patrick Williams was like at nine points as well. Um, Vassell led the team at 12.7. They had three, three, four guys who were right there at that 10 points per game mark. We let you know everybody eats. You know, they just were moving the ball around. And they never ran sets for him but he still averaged 13 points per game. Right. Just by playing basketball, just by reading what's going on on the floor. So one of his main concerns is his ability to drive and finish. I, like I said, I've been looking at older uh, drafts and stuff. I saw Paul George. Paul George was is a whole different person now than he was coming out. He's put on at least 20 pounds, maybe 30 pounds since he's been bleeding. Right. Got his frame right. And that's why he's going and he's been able to pull the lane and have success dunking on people doing his thing. But Snell has those that same qualities when it comes to his bounce. Very athletic, very long. Just needs to put on the weight. I think once he puts on weight and gets stronger, he's going to continue to grow into a great slasher. Be able to finish at the rim. And he showcased the ability at times, despite Florida State's offense, to create for himself when it comes to the mid-range pull-ups. Uh, the catch-and-shoot ability, shot over 40% from three. He is the wing that I'm buying into that doesn't look like an automatic star right now, but he is the player I'm most sure on that can grow, that will grow into a star. Okay, I mean, that's definitely a, a, that, that's a great way to break it down, especially, like you said, coming out of Florida State, it is a very equal opportunity. You do have a lot of guys who do a lot of things and are very involved in that offense. It is more of a system-based offense and not like, you know, where you have your Kentucky guys where, you know, a lot of those guys just take over guys. They just play ball. You know, a lot of ISO, this and that, you know, just kind of feed off each other. Where Florida State has a set system, set plays. They run their plays. They run their sets. And ultimately, whoever, you know, and it seems like Florida State. If you're, if you're the open guy, you got the shot. Exactly. And it seems like Florida State's offense is like, it, it's, it almost seems like it runs through their big men sometimes. Like, because they always have a very good big man and they play that dink down there, set some screens on the outside, on the wing, mm-hmm. on the top of the key, get a shooter open and let the big man either from free throw line down, you know, work his way on passing the ball. That's why they always seem to have a pretty good passing big man, whether he goes to the league and does something or not. At least in college, they always right. have a big man who can really pass because they get it down to down low and then they set screens on the wing, get open, you know, pick and roll. They do all that. So they are very involved and keep all their players involved. It might have hurt some people's stock, you know, in the past with just being so involved and not really having that standout guy within their system. 
So that definitely is like a, a, a great way. And then, you know, to kind of see where Paul George was coming into the league and even to where he's at now, you know, that definitely when guys need to put on weight, majority of guys do put on weight in the NBA once they get there. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah, it's yes. crazy. Like, look at Giannis. Giannis was a twig coming coming out. And look at him now. He's a, he's a specimen. He's and that's like, like that, exactly. And that's like, that's the point is like, you see guys like Giannis and you forget where they were you know, at the beginning of their careers. And Giannis hasn't been in the league too, too long. But people forget how small Giannis really was. And, like, as unbelievable as it is, even KD put on a little bit of weight now. Nothing major. Right, But yeah, if you really yeah. look at him in Texas, you look at him now, you'd be like, okay, he's still skinny, lanky. But he did put on a little bit of weight. A lot of these guys did. Th- didn't they say he couldn't, like, bench 175 coming out of Texas? Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? He couldn't do nothing. <laughs> like, he couldn't lift weights. Like, they said he struggled when he first got to Texas with 135. That's a 45 on each side. He got two collars. That's, I was like, that's, two, that's a plate. Yeah, exactly. Put a plate on each side, and he struggled for the simple fact he just was a baller. That was it. He didn't have the strength. Obviously, he wasn't in the weight room. He just was a baller. He just had it. But not every guy has it either. You know, KD has had it since he's came in the league. But not everybody's going to be KD. Some of these guys do need to work on, if you need to get stronger, then get stronger. You know, if you need to become a better ball handler, become a better ball handler. You might be a great shooter, but you need to become a better ball handler. So some of these guys just don't have it where they just step on the floor and they arguably be one of the best players on the court every time their whole life. So, you know, if he does get stronger, I could see, and he's a guy I've kind of looked at from guys like you have been who have gotten really big on him lately. Um, you know, I see on Twitter and things like that. So I've kind of checked him out and I'm like, I could see what they're saying. Like based on the system and being a system still averaging 13 points in college basketball, that's pretty good. Cause majority of these guys don't average, but 17, 18 points. A game. Say, if you average 15 coming out of college, you nice. Yeah. Like majority of these guys, we don't have guys averaging 25 points, 26 points a game. In college, you know, especially exactly. these top prospects, they don't be averaging them but 18, 19 points a game. So to be, you're not far off averaging 13 in a system that's not set up for you to ultimately become the score, the takeover player, the ISO guy, to get out of his way and guy. let him do his right. thing. Exactly. So, you know, that is, I, I do like the breakdown. I do like the breakdown of him. But, you know, I kind of want to swing things over. We talked a lot about the draft, but today. Okay has actually opened up, you know, where guys can make, uh, where teams can start making trades. You know, we have some free agency, but this year it seems Time like... Time for them bombs, baby. Yeah, exactly. We need some woes bombs, and I think we're going to hear them <laughs> over the next couple of days, especially leading up to the draft Wednesday. So there's been some key names. I want to start small. I don't want to go straight to the big fish in the pond, even though there are a few, mm-hmm. but I want to start with Chris Paul. Um, it, it's picking up. There's a lot of steam of Chris Paul going to the Phoenix Suns. Do you like the fit of Chris Paul in Phoenix? And like, because that's a surprise to me that Chris Paul would want to go to Phoenix. I'm thinking he'd want to be like back with the Clippers, Lakers, I don't know, Milwaukee, Philly. One of those teams that have a shot of winning the championship adding his services. So what do you think about if a, mm-hmm. a possibility of Chris Paul going to Phoenix? I think that would be a good play if they're trying to, for the Suns to show Booker that, you know, you, you ain't got to go. We, we trying to compete. We, we, we're trying to continue to make the right steps and, and capitalize off their momentum with, you know, them going undefeated in the bubble and looking like a, a probable playoff team this upcoming season. So from that mindset, I can understand why the Suns would want to acquire uh, Chris Paul. 
Me personally, though, that doesn't change the needle for them. You know, I, I don't like getting an older veteran with that much money on his deal. That's not really changing the needle for a Suns team that's young and is continuing to grow and develop players. And it looks like a team that maybe five, six, seven years from now, you know what I'm saying, could be a, a possible top three team in the West with the young talent that they have developing. So, you know, we'll see. But I'm not really big on that move, but I can understand why the Suns would uh, be interested. Right, and it is so crazy that we are speaking of this because right now I just got a notification. Woes dropped the bomb. Oklahoma City is finalizing a deal for Chris Paul to go to Phoenix. So, you know, I'd like to uh, see. Yeah, it's crazy that it happens actually I as we're now. talking about it. But Woes <laughs> literally just dropped CP3 to Phoenix. So I would love yeah. to see, you know, the the whole deal. To it, all it says is finalizing the deal. Chris Paul to Phoenix. I haven't oh, really. I seen got it. the uh, I got the players now. It says Ubre, Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen Lequeux, uh, and a twenty twenty two first round pick. So Ubre and Rubio. That that to me that's a lot for for Chris Paul. Um, he's older, and you're not really trading to win a championship. So I don't really that's fully. That's my thing. Is if I'm trading to win a championship, I I'd be willing to give up a lot, a little more than than normal for a player who I think can really take me to that level. But like you said, maybe this is just all about showing Devin Booker that you can win here. We, we're willing to make things happen for you here, even though it's just Chris Paul. It is Phoenix showing, hey, look, we're willing to make we're willing to make moves to improve our team, to ultimately build around our superstar, because Devin Booker is going to be the superstar. And even having a veteran mm -hmm. point guard like Chris Paul to kind of, you know, Devin Booker could kind of play a little bit of that Clay Thompson role this year, come off the right, of screens. Right. But then Chris Paul is going to teach him how to be a great player and how to be a great professional. So I do like... And we've seen with Chris Paul, he was just on his Thunder team when coming into the season. I think they had like a 1% chance of making the playoffs. Remember, it was super low with that Thunder team. And you come into a situation with a bona fide star. You you have Devin Booker. You know what I'm saying? Right. The, the next best players on that Thunder team was SGA and Steven Adams. You have Devin Booker, a bona fide star. You have Aiden, a number one draft pick, number one overall pick, mm -hmm. a very talented big. So maybe the Suns front office is looking at it. Chris Paul can do that with those guys. We have some, some pieces here. Right. Ain't no telling what he could do with these players. So I think that's their mindset. Yeah, and that actually makes a lot of sense. And that's it's it's like I forgot about Aiton, even though I know about Aiton. I really just forgot about <laughs> Aiton while speaking about Phoenix. But I mean, that would be a nice like big three if, if as you would consider it with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Aiton. And I think that's even we're talking about Devin Booker. I think Chris Paul working with DeAndre Aiton. I think that's gonna make him be become a better big man. Because he is an athlete, and that pick and roll can work and do wonders Definitely. with Chris Paul and Aiton. And we know Chris Paul is great at running the pick and roll. I mean, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Tyson Chandler back when he played mm -hmm. with uh, the Hornets in New Orleans. Like, right. people forget about that. You know, um, matter of fact, when he was with Clint Capella, you know, when he was with Clint Capella yes. in Houston, yes. like, he's able to run that pick and roll. So DeAndre Aiton, I think, is going to become the next guy. So really, when you look at Phoenix, you're going to have a, a beautiful pick and roll System with Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, and you're gonna have Chris Paul pick and rolling with DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker on the outside catch and shoot. Kind of like I think he'll he'll fit, Devin Booker will fit better this year if he kind of plays mm -hmm. that Clay Thompson role where he's not always gotta have the ball in his hands, but he's always looking to shoot. 
Because that's how Klay Thompson is so successful. He's not the greatest ball handler. Devin Booker, I think, is a better ball handler. But playing alongside he Chris Paul. Ball handler, right? Yeah, but playing alongside Chris Paul, Chris Paul is going to be, you know, the point guard. He's going to be the guy bringing the, the ball up the floor. So I think if he's coming off screens and finding his way, catch his shoot, ready, you know, catch the ball, pump fake, one dribble. We can see a way more efficient Booker now. Yeah. Booker's always had the skills and has put up the numbers, but we can see Booker take his game, his efficiency, and even his, his scoring to another height now with CP. Yeah, and we have another guy who can take the eyes off of Booker with their ball with the ball in their hands with Chris Paul. So, you know, now that the deal is finalized and we got our takes on that, there's a few na- other names floating around. Um, there's, there's a couple guys I'm not sure about being traded, but do you see like do you see Ben Simmons out of Philly? It, it's the steam has slowed down since maybe a few weeks ago. I want him out of Philly. I don't think it's gonna happen, but I want him out of Philly. But what, where do you think he would fit though? Like where would who could possibly trade for Ben Simmons and say you know what that's a perfect fit for Ben Simmons and that's gonna help Philly because Ben Simmons gonna get a haul like Philly would get a haul of players or picks for Ben Simmons. But who could really who do you see could really trade for him and be like you know what that's a perfect fit all around. A perfect fit. See, that's tough. That's tough. I can see a few teams being a nice fit. I've uh, I brought up before on Twitter. I would even like to see him in Dallas. I think it could be something similar to Harden and Westbrook with Luca and Ben, because you know Luca. When you look at Luca's play style, he's very much like James Harden. Yeah. How he's you know you can isolate him, creates, and everything runs through him. And then Westbrook was been was able to play that off ball role and just slash with mm-hmm. shooters spacing i think ben simmons could do the same but i personally want to see him on his own team i think if ben simmons gets to his own team he has mvp potential it could be something similar to how Giannis is being used in milwaukee right so so with with that would you rather if you were philly would you rather trade joel and beat and keep ben simmons or do you i would trade joel and beat if i'm philly and keep ben simmons that's me personally Cause you know, there's been some that like it, I haven't heard it lately, but I, there was a point in time a couple of weeks ago I did hear it where you know Brooklyn would be interested. This is before James Harden came about that we about to get into, but Brooklyn would be interested in trading for Joel Embiid. They have what I'm big. The biggest thing I'm big on with Brooklyn this year, and they kind of once the season ended, I wanted to see what's going to go on in Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn has the strongest trade package for a superstar. In the NBA right now. Like, I think if anybody wants to get out of there, I think Brooklyn could call and really have a strong enough trade package, which is why it's realistic that Harden could end up there because right, they have right. Dimwitty, they have Karis LeVert, they have Torian Prince, they have Jared Allen, they have a draft pick. So, and Karis LeVert, the last we've seen of him, you know, this is a very, what have you done for me lately, time in the league right now. And the last we've seen from Karis LeVert, was he was balling in the bubble. He was absolutely balling Paris in the bubble. Bucket. And that's what I'm saying. And you you have Dinwiddie, who who could very well be a, a very he's a very good guard. Karis LeVert is a very good guard. He's a walking bucket. So I think Brooklyn has the strongest trade package. What could you see like Joel yeah. Embiid? If you were Brooklyn, would you rather trade for Joel Embiid if that was a possibility on table or James Harden? Ooh. You know, I think fit-wise and even on a talent level, you might just really say Joel Embiid. You know, that's a lot of a lot of mouths to feed with Kyrie, Harden, and KD, all perimeter guys. Of course, KD, 
he does he does well without the ball having to be in his hands. He doesn't have to have the ball in his hands to set up the offense. We've seen him do his thing in Golden State and not necessarily have the ball in his hands all the time. But we look at James Harden, the current version of James Harden and Kyrie Irving. Those are guys that need the ball in their hands to, to get things going. Mm-hmm. It would be nice to see Harden go back to his OKC ways where they used him off ball, coming down screens, uh, was cutting, you know, slashing to the rack, did a lot of things without the ball in his hands because he wasn't that player yet that he's that he is now. But I don't know if he's going to go back to that. So I think for Brooklyn, if they could get Embiid, and Embiid's one of the top five talented players in the league. When he when he has it all together and he has it rolling, he's out there putting up 28-13 with three blocks and five dimes. I mean, he's he's going crazy. He's going bananas. He, he really shows that he could be an MVP type of big, but it's just he's never really locked in and does that on a night-to-night basis. But I think um, fit-wise for Brooklyn, I would say Embiid. Okay, so and, and I feel the same way. Matter of fact, with Embiid is I have a point guard in Kyrie Irving. I got a small forward, you know, a, a forward in Kevin Durant. Why would I not get the big man? Why would I go for another guard? Is kind of my thing where if I had the opportunity to trade for Embiid or Harden, I would more so go for Embiid. And that's it's solely like you said because of fit. I think Embiid fits playing alongside KD and Kyrie better than I do think Harden. Kyrie and KD would would fit together, but ultimately I'm, I don't want to say that and p- have people thinking that if I get KD, Kyrie, and Harden together, I don't have a championship contender team because you absolutely do. Any team that has Harden, definitely, Kyrie, and definitely. KD, we, we, we've seen fits not not ideal fits work. I mean, look at the Heatles. You know what I'm saying? The, yeah. the Heat big three, LeBron and D Wade is not a a fit made in heaven, but they still won two chips together. They are just that talented, and they were that determined to make it work. And I think even with that, I think friendship played a factor in LeBron and D-Wade being able to be so successful. And I think friendship with Harden and KD, you know, they're they're homies. They're homeboys. They want to play together. I think that would play a factor in trying to make it work. Look at what Harden and Westbrook did last year. Their friendship is the whole reason why they even thought to try and get together and make it work. So I do see that, but I think Embiid will be a better fit. But speaking of Harden, we we've spoke about Harden going to the Nets. What do you think is one of the better fits or the best fit for Harden to go if it's not the Nets? Because right now it solely sounds like Harden may force his way out of Houston to Brooklyn. But who's another team that could possibly trade for Harden and really use him? I'm trying to think of some teams around the league that could really use him, that could really use Harden. Um. If he goes to Atlanta, that ain't going to be too much defense getting played in that backcourt, but that would be interesting to see Harden and Trey Young together. But yeah. um, I'm trying to think. It's not really the, the obvious team that just, like you said, it stands out is Brooklyn. That makes sense when it comes to actually making a trade possible. Yeah, I think, I think Philly. Like, I think Harden to Philly – would actually work. Now, the only problem, I think, is me saying Harden to Philly is I could see a duo of Harden and Embiid panning out. Cause you're right, not, I mean Simmons is getting shipped. Yeah, you're not trading Harden without... Uh, yeah, you're not trading Harden to Philly without getting Ben Simmons. But I really think... I think Harden and Embiid would be a really good fit. And you got to think about it. If you're it's giving something up, that's possible. And if like you're that. giving up Ben like Simmons, that. you're more than likely keeping in... You're, you're more than likely keeping Tobias Harris. 
you're more than likely keeping Al Horford. You know, you might Ben Simmons and maybe like a Mike Scott in a draft pick, or maybe for like James Harden. But you're gonna keep, you're not giving Ben Simmons, Horford, and Tobias Harris for no Harden. So really, you look at it, you have your duo of Harden and Embiid, and your next two supporting players are more than likely Tobias Harris or Al Horford. So that's why I like Philly as the best fit if you swap, because I don't think Ben Simmons and Harden will work next. I to think each that would other. be great for both for both parties when it comes to Harden and um, Ben Simmons, because now Ben gets a chance to do his thing. I mean, if that trade happens, I'm pretty sure Westbrook is getting traded. Right, and and that's so it's going to be thing. Ben Simmons' team. Right, and that's another thing is because I do think Westbrook is getting traded. And to have Ben Simmons kind of start his own team in Houston, I don't think would be a bad idea. You won't really have a problem getting another superstar to join you in Houston. People love Houston. Like, guys do love Houston. Now, granted, they don't always get the biggest free agents. But now, if you put a star like Ben Simmons in a couple years from now, there's a couple superstars, you know, looking to where should I go? You He wouldn't have a problem unless they just don't want to play with Ben Simmons. He wouldn't have a guy problem persuading a guy to get to Houston and then Westbrook who doesn't want to play with Ben Simmons if I look at it man like you know you're able to start the rebuild in Houston uh, build around Ben Simmons and we've seen when the roster is built around Ben Philly's been successful remember a few years ago they had that run into the playoffs where they had shooters um and B wasn't playing but they had shooters surrounding him Ilya Sova uh Bellinelli, they had those guys, and they made their run into the playoffs and lost to the Celtics in the second round. But they were rolling and clicking so nice that they were the favorites right. in the series. So and- I feel like, you know, a more mature Ben Simmons, an even better player on defense now, one of the best defenders in the league, one of the best two ways. You put him in his own situation and and organize an entire roster around his skill set, that, that team will flourish. Right, and that and that's why I say I do think, uh, you know, because like you said, you get Ben Simmons to Houston, you could build around Ben Simmons, surround him with shooters or whatever, you know, however they do want to build around them, and then you put Harden, like I said, Harden in in Philly, and B Tobias Harris, Al Horford, maybe you know, I don't know who else you would still have around there, but I do know you'd at least have mm-hmm. Harden, Tobias Harris, and Joel and B. That's not a bad big three to me, and I think you'd start seeing like Tobias Harris. Like the Orlando Magic, Tobias Harris a little bit, like you know the, the Detroit Pistons. Where you, you put him in a you put him in a solid role where he doesn't have to be the guy per se. You know what I'm saying? Right. That outside the main perimeter score, he can now work around Harden. Harden's going to bring all that attention as the guy as the perimeter the perimeter threat. He doesn't have to be that threat anymore because he hasn't been his best self in Philly so far. Right? You know, it's, it's just Philly. It has not been the fit for him. But if you bring in somebody, like you say, Harden, who can be that guy and, and handle the main load, now you're putting him in a secondary role to find buckets within the offense. And he's going to go like, wow, you know, Tobias is playing well. He's going to be way more efficient, and he's going to look like he's worth the money he's been uh, paid. Exactly. And that that's my biggest thing about So I would like to see Harden in Philly. Uh, I just don't – we went back to having duels. Like, you know, this past year was, like, real lovely on how deep the NBA was to me. With having these dynamic duos, you know, you had LeBron, AD, Giannis, Middleton. Uh, we were supposed to have KD and Kyrie, you know, uh, Embiid and Simmons, like Jimmy Butler and Bam. You know, we could go on and on. And mm-hmm. then, you know, Harden mm-hmm. and Westbrook. And so it made the league very deep and very competitive. So I don't want to see okay. them revert right back to going big three. Because what I could see happen is 
they win the Nets win the championship. Now all these teams in this big free agency class next year are scrambling to try and create a super team to ultimately beat Brooklyn, and that could change some minds of your Kawhi, Paul George, even LeBron, who's expected to be a free agent. I wouldn't be surprised if AD does a two-year with a one-year player option, so he could be available mm-hmm. come next year right along with that class. That wouldn't surprise me, so I don't want to see back to super teams. I'm liking the dynamic duos, and we missed a couple. Like I said, KD, yeah, no we, KD or Kyrie. We, we got to see guys be their best self. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? We've seen so many guys held back with these big threes and everything, you know, Kevin Love was a, is a very good player and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't Kevin Love out there in Cleveland. Of course he won, won a championship. I'm sure he wouldn't take that back for the world, but we've seen Kevin Love get, get held back. We've seen Chris Bosh. Chris yep. Bosh was a bucket out there in Toronto. You know, yep. He was 20 and 10. He still had a pivotal role in their championship run, but he wasn't the Chris Bosh that we, you know, accustomed to seeing before he joined up. He turned into kind of a spot-up shooter and and get your buckets where you can kind of thing. But um, one more guy I do want to bring up, you know, with trade speculation is Russell Westbrook. We haven't talked about Russell Westbrook yet, really. Where, I'm more of, I don't know realistically where they're going to go. But right now, just where do you see, like, what's the best fit for Russell Westbrook right now? Or one of the best fits for Russell Westbrook right now for getting traded? I see him possibly going. It's not necessarily the best basketball fit, but I can see him in New York. Uh, I said the same thing. I can see him in New York. Uh, the, the Hornets rumors have been out there. You know, people have been kind of uh, around the league have been saying the Hornets aren't too interested in you know trading a pick and making that move happen because they're rebuilding. They're starting from scratch. They're trying to build this thing up, and so that really doesn't make too much sense for them. But I can see New York. It brings buzz. We know New York is all about the buzz. Uh, right. You have him, Barrett, uh, Mitchell Robinson. You'll have some some pieces to work with out there. So we can. I can see that happening. So I know my, and it's crazy because I'm a Heat fan, but I also do rock with LeBron. So with saying that, they don't have a package to get him. But I, I think Westbrook would fit as a basketball fit in L.A. Alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And the reason I say that is because I think this year is going to be a year we're going to see LeBron rest more often than not. Um, or more often mm-hmm. than we're used to. Because he's coming off. He's having, what, a, a six-week, seven-week, what, eight-week max offseason before he's back playing basketball again. So, you know, I think mm-hmm. LeBron's going to miss a lot of games. But... I think he could get, he could maximize West what's left of Westbrook's potential. Like I don't think Westbrook is washed. Now, do I think he has a problem with holding the ball too much and turnovers? Yes, but do I think Westbrook is washed? Not at all. Like a guy putting up those numbers, if he's washed, and you're just telling us how great he is, how great you really thought he was. So to me, he had what he had his best season to me as an NBA player this past year before you know the playoffs started before and before the injury. I had him second team all NBA. He was his efficiency was at his all time high in his career. And he was in a system where he could just be him. And it was just him playing basketball. Less thinking, just do you slash take take shoot when it's time to shoot. But you know what I'm saying? You got the floor to just go ahead, attack. I think he was great this year. And that and yeah, he really was. He did up his game. Show us 
parts of his game. And him and Harden, up until he got hurt, him and Harden really did work alongside each other. Like, people forget that. Like, they actually did work alongside each other before he got hurt. But then we, we was on this four-month hiatus, didn't get to see basketball. Then we go see the bubble, and Westbrook's coming back from injury, not looking too good. Then, you know, he doesn't look good. Yeah, then he doesn't look. Yeah, comes in, comes into the bubble right after having COVID, has the injury, doesn't look too good on the court. Looks like him and Harden don't fit anymore. But up until that point in March, when the season actually shut down, I think those guys fit perfect together. Or at least they They made it work. Especially right after the Robert Covington trade. Yeah, or they at least, I can't say they fit perfect, but they made it work to the best of their ability and made sure both were happy. Now, Harden was never unhappy and neither was Westbrook. But that's why I say I think Harden, I mean, I think Westbrook can fit alongside LeBron because I think LeBron is going to be all for a lot. He wants the ball out of his hands at this point in his career. He's in his, he's going into his 18th year. LeBron does not want, you know, the ball in his hands all the time. He wouldn't mind giving it off. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why they went and got Dennis Schroeder to ultimately have another guy coming off the bench that we trust putting the ball in their hands. Look at, look at, it did wonders when Rondo in the playoffs and in the finals showed up big being that ball handler, that second guy that can run the offense outside of LeBron. So I think having Westbrook, I think that would be perfect just because he could be that second guy to run the offense right outside, you know, outside of LeBron and do a really good job at it. I think he would fit well with AD. Westbrook is a willing passer. They could say, well, he's a ball, Mm -hmm. but he's a willing passer. A guy doesn't average 10 assists a game, you know, Three years in a row. He doesn't yeah. average a triple-double not being a willing passer. You have to pass to your teammates, and they have to score. So he is a willing passer, and rolling with a pick-and-roll with AD I think will work. I just think the only the only deficiency of that team would be I don't know how strong they would be on the shooting tip because if they were able to coerce a package even get Westbrook, you're giving up a lot of shooters. Like You already gave up Danny Green in exchange for Schroeder, but like you're going to give up shooters. And so that would be, I think, the problem is when you're trying to go back and forth. You, you're you giving can't. up Kuzma in that deal. You're giving up some other shooters. Yeah, and the, and the whole problem take, is... They're going to try to take your MVP Caruso from you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but the whole, that's the whole problem is I think a basketball fit, he fits with the Lakers, but I don't think financially or, you know, realistically when we talk about trade packages, they don't have one strong enough. That's why they jumped the gun and got Dennis Schroeder. They realized they don't have a, mm-hmm. a package strong enough. I mean, the best they were going to get was DeMar DeRozan. Um, I was big on... Possibly, I, I want to hit one more. Buddy Hill. I think. Just speaking of the Lakers, I think the Lakers should have seen what they needed to do to get Buddy Hill. Um, I think Buddy Hill would have been a he to me. He would have been better than Dennis Schroeder. Yes, you might have had to give up Kyle Kuzma, and Danny Green in that first round pick. But unless the Lakers are so adamant on keeping Kuzma, I like Buddy Hill fitting with LeBron because he's a bona fide knockdown sniper shooter. shooter. And so yeah. you know, a shooter is gonna a guy who can hit shots on a consistent basis. Is gonna fit with LeBron. That's why they got Danny Green. That is the formula. It's been proven time in and time out. Give LeBron shooters, and he will get you at least to the finals. Exactly, and that's why at he's least. been able to extend some guys' careers. Ray Allen still look effective because he's catching and shooting from LeBron. Mike Miller, Shane Battier. You know, Mario Thomas ended mm-hmm. up improving as a shooter because he realized LeBron and Wade. They're bringing the ball up the court, and I got to get in where I fit in. You know, even in Cleveland, Kevin Love developed and got became a better shooter, but you. You know, Kyrie can shoot, things like that. You just, you surround him with shooters. Kyle Korver, they went and got Kyle Korver. So I think Buddy Hill would be the best fit of all the trade options that they realistically have. I like Buddy Hill to, Buddy Hill, Buddy Hill to the Lakers more than the Schroeder trade. But I guess if they didn't want to give up Kuzma, then whatever. But 
I'm more so on give up on the Kuzma train, and, at least in LA. Right, and I, I can see why they went ahead and got Schroeder. It just kind of is a telltale sign that you know Rondo's moving on elsewhere, so they wanted that that other point guards to come in and handle the offense, carry that playmaking load when they want to rest LeBron or, you know, take him off ball and let him get a breather. So I, I can understand the thinking behind getting uh, Dennis. Right. I'm but- looking at some teams. I was thinking maybe for Westbrook, could with Chicago, how you feel about the Chicago fit? Um... I mean, I don't think he wouldn't not fit in Chicago. It would just depend on what are they giving up. Because are the Rockets... The the Rockets can play this two ways. I think they have to trade Westbrook first for Westbrook to have any type of value in the trade market. I think... So I think they have to trade... And if you have to give up... Okay, you'll give up Zach Levine. That's fine. I understand it. But if you're starting to give up like Kobe White or Laurie Markkinen... Or like all three for Westbrook, which I don't think you'll get that big of a package. I think if Harden, you'd give up Levine, marketing, Kobe White. But it just I'd have to see the package for him to Chicago. But if you could keep marketing and possibly Kobe White and maybe do Zach Levine and somebody else or a couple other people in a draft pick, then I would like the fit. But I wouldn't like the fit if you're giving up I like... I see Zach in a pick. Yeah, but I just I don't like the fit if you're Laurie marketing Zach Levine in a pick. or I even With having Westbrook, I'd want to keep Kobe White there also. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I like Kobe White. I don't see him as like your franchise PG, but he is a nice piece. I see him as a guy who can be a a, a microwave score. You know, someone who right. can always come in and get you good seventeen points or have nights where he lights it up, kind of like the how Mo Williams was. I could even see like the Lou Will role, like the six man come in get a bucket. We're not really worried about your guard skills as far as passing the ball. Come in and get buckets. I could see Kobe White doing that. Mm-hmm. He's a decent passer and things like that, but I could just see him being ultimately like your six-man role guy. Come in, get buckets, come out. You know, and, and Lou Will really made a name off of being the six-man, so there's no shame in coming off the bench being the six-man. I mean, the six-man of the year award is practically the Lou Williams award at this point. So, <laughs> I mean, they might as well put a name to it and name it the Lou Williams Six Man of the Year Award. But, you know, that's where I want to close it. Chris, I'm going to give you the floor once again. I give you the floor coming in. I give you the floor coming out. Let us know where we can follow you, uh, what to expect to see from you, if anything you want to give out over the next few days, weeks. Oh, yeah, I got you. So, uh, y'all can follow me on Twitter at Chris, C-H-R-I-S underscore Bolton, B-O-L-T-O-N underscore 12. Uh, you can follow me on there and on Instagram at chris.bolton underscore. Uh, this dropping t- uh, today, Mo? Yeah. Okay, well, um, later on tonight, I'm doing a mock draft with uh, with our guy Chris. He's got us and several people, some he- some heavy hitters. We're doing a mock draft together, so um, be on the lookout for that. Um, I'll have more podcasts coming out myself. I have my own podcast to check up with Chris Bolton. So you can definitely tune into that um, after the NBA draft. Gonna do some draft grades, you know, just talk about the whole the whole night, all the trades, all that good stuff. So be sure to tune in for that. So, um, so yeah, that's everything I got, man. Yeah, man. So y'all definitely go give Chris a follow. You know, he's a part of the Off the Ball Network now. So you know, this is as people are seeing coming onto the network, man. This is really like a family of guys. You know, we get together talk sports and things like that. And not one of us have really met each other in person. So, you know, but you know, he's one of the newest additions of off ball network. Go check out his stuff. He puts out a lot of great content on Twitter. 
uh, with breaking down guys, uh, some conversations he has with some great guys I've linked with, with, you know, uh, Rashad Phillips, you know, I've seen you topping it up with him, uh, Zach from the Off the Glass mm-hmm. podcast, which is another great guy I've had on my podcast before. So, yeah, y'all definitely go check Chris out. Y'all know where to find me, Upper Flames, everywhere you could go on Twitter, uh, Instagram. Check out my Facebook page, OffTheBallNetwork.com, if you want to check out everybody's I'm about work. i to have you on, Mo. Oh, yeah, man. Hey, I would love to be on in the future, but, you know, <laughs> that that's all I have for today on this episode of Upper Flames. We are out.